Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 116 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We're reading Matthew chapter 16, and our focus is on what does it mean to take up our cross, and what is a Messiah? So thanks for joining us. You can check out our website at Bible2021.com. You can submit questions there, also see show notes and read a transcript of each episode. First topic of the day, what does it mean that Jesus is the Messiah? Now, surprisingly for some, Christ, which means Messiah, is not the last name of Jesus. His last name would have been something like Bar-Joseph, but Christ is the title of Jesus, which again also means Messiah. Here's our friends from Got Questions to help us understand. Messiah comes from the Hebrew word Mashiach, and it means anointed one or chosen one. The Greek equivalent is the word Christos, or in English, Christ. The name Jesus Christ is the same as Jesus the Messiah. In biblical times, anointing someone with oil was a sign that God was consecrating or setting apart that person for a particular role. Thus, an anointed one was someone with a special God-ordained purpose. In the Old Testament, people were anointed for the positions of prophet, priest, and king. God told Elijah to anoint Elisha to succeed him as Israel's prophet. Aaron was anointed as the first high priest of Israel. Samuel anointed both Saul and David as kings of Israel. All of these men held anointed positions, but the Old Testament predicted a coming deliverer who would be chosen by God to redeem Israel. This deliverer, the Jews called the Messiah. Jesus of Nazareth was and is the prophesied Messiah. Throughout the New Testament, we see proof that Jesus is the chosen one. For instance, John twenty thirty one says, These miracles are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Let's read our passage, and then we will discuss taking up our cross. Matthew chapter 16, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible, The Pharisees and Sadducees approached him and tested him, asking him to show them a sign from heaven. And he replied, When the evening comes, you say it will be good weather because the sky is red, and in the morning today will be stormy because the sky is red and threatening. You know how to read the appearance of the sky, but you can't read the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Then he left them and went away. The disciples reached the other shore, and they had forgotten to take bread. And Jesus told them, Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They were discussing among themselves, We didn't bring any bread. Aware of this, Jesus said, You of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves that you do not have bread? Don't you understand yet? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets you collected? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many large baskets you collected? Why is it you don't understand that when I told you beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, it wasn't about bread? Then they understood that he had not told them to beware of the leaven in the bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responded, 
Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Then he gave the disciples orders to tell no one that he was the Messiah. From then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed, and be raised the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Oh no, Lord, this will never happen to you. And Jesus turned and told Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me because you're not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will reward each according to what he has done. Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So our verse of the day is verse 24. Let's go ahead and make it verses of the day, 24 and 25. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. Now this is the second time that Matthew records Jesus saying something like this. As we read in Matthew chapter 10 a few days ago, verse 37 through 39, Jesus says, The one who loves a father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The one who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Anyone who finds his life will lose it, and anyone who loses his life because of me will find it. Now, this is a life and death teaching here. Jesus is telling us that the way to life is paradoxical. The only way to find life, real life, eternal life, is to lose your life to Jesus. What does it mean that we must take up our cross? Well, for a modern listener, we might be thinking of, you know, something pretty, cross-shaped jewelry or a decorative cross on the wall or a nice golden cross in the front of our church sanctuary. We aren't clued into the horrors of the cross as an execution device enough. What Jesus is saying is stark and troubling and honestly disturbing until you realize that the way to life, full life, and eternal life is through the death on the cross. To hear what Jesus is saying to us like his first centuries would have heard it, an equivalent phrase would be something like to take up our electric chair or take up our noose. The cross was an execution device, and Jesus was saying to pick up and walk around with your means of execution. It's a strange statement, and though it sounds kind of horrifying when you think of it that way, it's actually a wonderful invitation, as Pastor Tim Keller helps us to understand. He says, we're told here we're supposed to take up your cross. Jesus does not say, take up my teachings and follow me. He doesn't say, take up my example and follow me. He doesn't say, take up my advice and follow me. That would crush you. If you tried to pick up all of Jesus' teachings and did it perfectly, it would crush you. But what does he say? Take up the cross. Well, what does that mean? Well, a lot of people think, boy, that sounds pretty awful. In fact, Henry Sweet who was an old Bible commentator, wrote a couple of the best commentaries on Matthew and Mark back in the early part of the 20th century. He says to take up the cross can only mean one thing. 
it must mean to put yourself in the place of a condemned criminal. Well, you say, that sounds pretty negative. Not at all, because what condemned criminal are we talking about? What condemned criminal are you supposed to be putting yourself in the place of? What condemned criminal are you supposed to be identifying yourself with? This is what Jesus is saying. The essence of discipleship is to realize that when I died, you died. Identify with me. Paul puts it like this in Colossians 3, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You died. The Bible says over and over again, if you became a Christian, basically the minute you believe in Jesus, you died on the cross with him. The Bible says you were buried with him. What does that mean? It means God look, looks at you right now as if you paid all the penalty for every cent of your sin. If you're a person who believes in Jesus and you start to beat yourself up because of your sin, because you feel so guilty, don't. Why? Because as far as God is concerned, is concerned, you've already been beaten. You've been flogged. You've been crowned with thorns. You've been speared. You've been nailed. You've paid it all because your life is hid with God in Christ. Now, when God looks at you, he sees what Jesus has done. Therefore, to put yourself in the place of this condemned criminal means every day you get up because there's one place where Luke actually says in Luke 9.23, he records that Jesus says, take up your cross daily. Every day you get up and you remind yourself of who you are in Christ. That's what we're talking about. You remind yourself that you have died. You remind yourself there's nothing to prove. You remind yourself that you're accepted by God. You remind yourself of what he did, Jesus did, in order to get this done. Every day you take up the cross. And what does that mean? You live in its shadow. You take up the cross, the glorious cross. Well, let's end today with our Bible memory verse for April, James 4, 6. But he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Amen. Well, friends, may it be a blessed week for you. Good day to you and Godspeed.